you guys. I'm Alex, a college student on the West Coast, and you're listening to The Board Student. I chat with college students from all over the place about their life, what they're interested in, up to, and accomplishing these days. Even though we're all studying different things, everyone's got a unique story that's relatable, and we can learn a lot just by sharing them. Kind of what has helped to set me apart a little bit is just like the aspect of rowing where it's just so it's so team focused in that like you can't miss practice you know you kind of notice you know especially running like a student team there's a lot of people who want to join and they do join and they start doing stuff and then um just kind of fall away very quickly because they're not as familiar with the concept of like well there's other people relying on this work getting done All right, our guest today is a Princeton rower. He was a Princeton rower. He's now a NASA research fellow at the University of Washington. He's been a a fellow for a number of years, and while he's been at Washington, he started a CubeSat club, which sends satellites into space. People who join this club end up getting jobs at SpaceX and other companies like that. Just from this hands-on experience, they learn so much. Things like this that Charlie talked about were really interesting, and he also talked about his experience at Princeton, and their rowing team, before he had came, had some pretty tough years in terms of race results, and then he came in, and, you know, he witnessed over the four years there that the team culture really changed, they had a new coaching staff, but the team culture improved so much that even with the same training regimen, their race results started improving a lot and just being on the team was such a better experience really cool conversation we started our talk with how did he get into rowing how did all this start um and if ivy leagues were something that he was always gunning for growing up my oldest brother was like he was kind of like chubby and Mm -hmm. uh i don't know didn't really fit in and so my dad kind of like just took him down to the boathouse one day, like kind of near where we lived and um, just said, why don't you give this rowing sport a try? And he turned out to be kind of a natural at it and really enjoy it. So within a couple months, then I started doing it and it kind of just caught on like, and then my other brother started doing it and my dad got really into it. And like, we kind of just became this rowing family, which is kind of funny. That's cool to see a sport bring people like a family together. That's really neat. Yeah. And you know you mentioned like that i probably played other sports and i did and i was terrible at other sports which is like the classic story of everyone who uh you know became good at rowing so you you ended up going to princeton for rowing out out of high school for the ivy league something that you know you your parents and and your kind of your your brothers were also gunning for never like explicitly It, it honestly had never even really occurred to me until i started kind of getting recruited for rowing. I guess this kind of ties all the way back to your first question about kind of the town that I grew up in. Um, you know, it's a suburb of New York. It's a lot of like kind of bankers and um, this is, it's a well-off community. And so like that is kind of like, it is, I, I don't know if it's, it's not the expectation, but it's like, it's what people kind of think of as the best thing you can do is going to an elite college, which um, I totally bought into you know like and I thought oh yeah that's uh that's a good thing to do and if I go to Princeton then 
it'll set up all these great opportunities, which it did. But now, you know, now that I've, I kind of moved away from that area and I lived in DC and now I am out here and I go to UW and you just see that like the opportunities are really more kind of like what you, uh, I guess it's kind of more like what you create for yourself mm-hmm. and anywhere that you go, if you're like talented and you're motivated, then like there's someone there who will pick you up to like give you the opportunities to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is kind of weird that like, yeah, your family and the people around you kind of push you to like do this thing that has a cool name, but um, right. I don't know, after the fact, it doesn't really seem that way. Yeah, definitely um, an expectation that kind of gets hit by reality when you actually get in, sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the differences that I've especially seen is that go you know at at princeton you really feel like this a tiny fish mm-hmm. but in a tiny pond you know like there's not that many people but everyone that's around you just kind of, you kind of just feel like they're better than you you know <laughs> yeah it, it it's hard like especially if you feel like you know you were maybe smart in high school then you go and like mm-hmm. everyone's way smarter than you you know and that actually kind yeah. of like set me back kind of hard you know i didn't do very well in school because it was just you know, I didn't do badly, but like, it was just challenging. Yeah. Um, feeling like you need to like kick as hard as you can just to keep up with everyone. Uh, I don't know if that me. really makes yeah. sense, but like, that's been actually one of the really positive things like here at UW. It's, just, it's so big and there's just so many people doing so many different things that like, you can actually really just kind of focus on your thing and not really worry so much. About um, co- competitive yeah, just about like being competitive and um, and how you're doing and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You don't need to like constantly compare yourself. And mm. I don't know. What what was the time when that rang true, or when you kind of had that thought when you were in Princeton? Um, I guess I'm hard pressed to think of like a specific story. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't. Know. I mean, rowing is a good analogy. Like this would have been true if I came to UW too, because UW was better than us. Um, But just, you know, you're, you're a good rower in high school and then you go to a team that is very good and you're suddenly in, you know, you're in the third boat like every year. And it's like, uh, that's just something that kind of like hits you a little bit and kind of like makes you realize that, um, I don't know, you kind of have to like come to terms with that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know. Like there are advantages to surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at the things that you do. Uh, It's cool to work with those people and to know those people. All right. So our conversation then shifted focus to talk about uh, space and the benefits, corporate benefits, economic benefits of all this space research that's been going on these past few years with SpaceX and other companies. Something in aerospace that just happened was Tesla's launch. Um, and some, some of my friends, we were talking about how, what that kind of meant for space. And like, you know, we haven't sent anyone to the moon in a long time. And just kind of what's the point of that sort of travel and just kind of bringing the corporate industry into space travel. What? Yeah, what? no, that's a really exciting time to be going into aerospace. Cause yeah, I mean, like the industry had, as far as I understand it, it goes through like all these kind of peaks and valleys um, every, you know, five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And what it seems like everyone now is saying is that this is like, finally, it's going to get out of that. And it's actually taking off. Like, because you now have private companies that are very vested in 
actually sending people to space. Like that's what in order for this thing to become sustainable. So, mm-hmm. and what is the what is the goal of this this kind of corporate? Um, the, I forgot what it is, like not commercialization, but what's the goal of, you know, space travel and getting people into space? I mean, on the commercial side of it, it's to make money. Like mm-hmm. if, it, if they can make it cheap to send things to space, then tons of industries can start doing things in space. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I went to a talk by a guy saying that once you get below certain thresholds of like, if it costs you, you know, $1,000 per pound of stuff you could send to orbit, what would you do? And they asked a bunch of different companies and they said, okay, what about like $500 per pound? What about $100 per pound? And so as that price gets lower, eventually it opens up more things for companies to do like Intel at some price point, it becomes cheaper for them to manufacture their parts in space because it is a vacuum and it's really hard for them to get the vacuum that they need on, on ground. It takes very expensive facilities. Um, there's also a price point where it becomes uh like more economically feasible to um rehabilitate burn victims in space because like a big problem with burn victims in the hospital is that half of their body is laying against surface and it's going to get infected and it can never heal but so if you send a burn into space if it's really cheap to send people to space you can send you can have a hospital in space where they can actually just not be in contact with any surface and heal up that way so there's just really cool stuff it gets opened up with the privatization of space. Um, Holy cow, that's so that's so interesting. Yeah. Is there is there a topic in within that that most interests you? So part two of my answer is that the other thing that I see as a benefit of all that is that NASA to actually do exploration. So for you know t- twenty years or however long it was, the space shuttle was like a drain on NASA's budget. And they were just ferrying astronauts basically up and down from the space station. Mm. And that was like a huge, it wasn't a waste of money, but now we see that other companies can do that much cheaper. So with NASA saving all that money on um, having to maintain their own kind of basic like transportation stuff, now they get to sink that money into Mars rovers and into uh, probes that are going to Jupiter and you know, Pluto and stuff like that. And that's the stuff that I'm really interested in and that I want to work on. So the space exploration. Yeah, for sure. I'm taking an astronomy class right now, Astro 101. Nice. And, <laughs> uh, we just learned about planets that are potentially habitable, but they're like a thousand light years away. And, you know, there's, they're, they're two, there's two degrees Celsius temperature and they might have water, it might be, have oceans. Um, is that the goal with space is to find places with life forms on them? Um, it is it, for some of it and yeah. other stuff is just like pure science, like hmm. understanding how planets form and understanding like uh, different processes that occurred in our universe throughout its history. Just mm-hmm. like stuff that is really only interesting to like physicists and, and planetary scientists and stuff. You know, the other side of it is like, if we were to find any sort of life form, even like a microbe on another planet, that suddenly opens up the door to there being life everywhere in the universe. So um, that is another like really important question. And to me, that would be like the 
most exciting thing to discover and like would be the most important discovery that we could make. Um, but everything else that we find along the way is also really cool. Like I just love all the yeah. planetary science stuff and just like seeing things that have never been seen before and discovering mm -hmm. things that have never been discovered before is pretty cool. One question that they encourage us to think about is, you know, what, what impact do you see this research having, you know, with mechanical engineering and, um, you know, computer science, it's all kind of goal oriented around, around just helping the economy and people. But I, science seems like it's, it's different. It's more just about exploring what humans don't know, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and it's really a spectrum. Like there's science that is really um, geared towards applications. Like, you know, in being in an engineering department, but doing a PhD is really where you see that the most. Like mm -hmm. my work is scientific investigation, answering questions of fundamental physics, but ultimately in pursuit of like applying that knowledge to a technology. That's kind of what we do in the, in the aerospace department here then there's also like just pure science which is like you know like all the way on the like the furthest pureness of that science end of the spectrum is almost like philosophy you know right. like cosmologists who are coming up with like uh you know equations that describe the nature of the universe and then when you think about what that means it gets it becomes almost religious you know right so uh there's certainly like kind of things all, all over that spectrum um but to me like i kind of really like almost thinking on that really far end of the spectrum of like what is what does this mean for just the universe yeah the, the philosophy <laughs> yeah exactly well i just learned a lot and that conversation was awesome but then we shifted the focus back to rowing to talk about Coming in to Princeton rowing as a freshman at a time when the team hadn't been doing so hot and then witnessed the team regain its momentum through his four years there. You are coming in already on a totally different experience than what a normal student is, is going to have. Mm -hmm. Like they're telling you, oh, you, need, you should join this club and you should try and do this and this thing because it's a great way to make friends. But you come in and you just have like 30 default friends. Right. Like on your first night of college, you have like a party to go to, you know, so like there's just that kind of stuff, which is, um, which is, you know, good and bad in other ways, but um, it's certainly different. So you're newly into Princeton and you're a freshman on the rowing team. What was the, what was the community vibe on the team and, and who was, who was, who was the one pushing it? Was it the coach or was it more just the teammates? Um. Socially, it was definitely the teammates, like the upperclassmen. And um, for me, I actually re didn't really fit in very well. That was another thing that I kind of expected that I was going to go to college and be like, have, you know, be fun and like, well liked. And then you get on a team of a bunch of rowers and you realize like, oh, I'm not actually that cool, <laughs> you know, uh, especially being kind of like a nerdy, nerdy guy. Uh, but then, you know, the culture on the team was certainly kind of like driven down by the coaches. And when I started the, the athletic culture very much drove the social culture. So like, if you weren't a good rower, then you weren't gonna have anyone's respect, which I actually really didn't like 
A, because I wasn't a very good rower, and B, because it just um, it just made things like tense and just not very fun to be a part of. It, it didn't make it feel like it was a team, like everyone was vested in each other's success. Yeah. Felt like, well, you're not good, so we'd rather leave you behind, you know? Um, and, you know, I, like I was taking a much harder course, I was taking a harder course load than some of the other people on my team because I was doing the engineering and they didn't really understand that when I came in as a freshman and like there'd be some morning practice but I had class at 8 30 and so I would have to go out in a single while other guys were in eights and then I'm going to dock before the last piece and getting like yelled at you know by the captain like making fun of me in front of the entire team that made me feel pretty unwelcome um, the other thing is, I mean, they still did like freshman boats where like you just rode as a freshman class mm -hmm. for the entire year. And, uh, if we hadn't had that, then it would have been a lot harder for me. Um, mm -hmm. cause I fit in better with the other freshmen and I ended up doing well enough to kind of like be, you know, a good contributor in our boat. And we did well, that yeah. we did really well that year. Um, so that was like really rewarding for me. And that was probably the most rewarding like year of my college rowing experience because I got to be part of that boat. And then after that, um, you know, if, if I had just been thrown into like the three V my first year, I, I probably wouldn't have rowed for four years. So. Well, as you became a junior and a senior, did you, were you able to have an impact on that kind of culture put in by the athletes that was very much speed oriented? Yeah. So that was something that really changed during my time there, which, which uh -huh. was good. And I think it's because the, so the year before I started, they had uh, like a new coaching staff come in. And so my year was the first year that was like fully recruited by that new coaching staff. And they were yeah. much better than the old coaching staff. And so the older guys, when I started, they were part of a team that was not good. You know, like they had gotten like 11th at sprints the year before something like that like just had these terrible seasons um and so to them like getting good was everything and being bad was bad and so i think they were kind of projecting that down and they had been recruited by guys who didn't care as much about like personal character mm -hmm. i guess like i don't know if i'm bad mouthing too much but um mm -hmm. then starting with my class we just had a bunch of like really kind of just good guys like nice guys Mm -hmm. and the, all the classes below each one of them just was like filled with like these guys who you want to be friends with you know and were really mm -hmm. nice and welcoming and kind of excited to be there so by my senior year like everyone loved each other and we were fast like we were doing really well you know we meddled <laughs> like we were meddling at sprints and stuff yeah. and so like everyone was having a great time and uh really enjoyed rowing with each other so that that really made a big difference one, one pattern that I'm noticing is um, when you were talking about Princeton and, and what you kind of learned from your, your four years there, it was, it was that, you know, the, it's not going to be a conveyor belt where on the other side, all these opportunities will be in your backpack. It's more, you have to chase them no matter where you're at. And on the team, it sounds like it wasn't the recruits that, you know, it wasn't a math equation where good recruits equal good boats. It was more of, the right type of people equal the great team, which, you know, led to good results. Yeah. I mean, our two fastest recruits of my freshman year uh, didn't even race in the spring season because they both got suspended. So wow. like that, you know, like that kind of tells you, and they kind of from the beginning were, um, 
kind of felt like the ones out personality wise do you know what i mean so like that's i don't know yeah there certainly is a disconnect there yeah it's also like it's not like anybody i mean rowing because the workouts are tough on the erg but it's not like anyone wants to to erg you know 20k a day or it's or or like that's not like that's like fun and it's not like you know people who do cross country like running 10 miles a day is is fun like after a while it's just like anything else that you do for a long time but what makes it special is it's it turns into not just a sport it turns into like this challenge that you're overcoming with these people that you like are so connected with yeah yeah i mean it kind of feels like you're going through hell with them Mm -hmm. so uh you really bond and so you need people that you're gonna like you need to be likable yourself and uh i don't know i mean you learn a lot of life lessons through that process but uh, i mean my feeling on it is kind of and i'm biased because i was in you know lower half of the team but my feeling on it is like a fast team is one where the guys who are in the lower boats are having a good time and are like where the team culture is such that they enjoy rowing because like then the faster guys get to be on a team with people who like being around and they're going to be pushed by the people below them and um you know like that i really think that i don't know what the social culture was like at uw but Mm -hmm. i think that that's why they dominated so hard when i was in college was that they just had this crazy deep team you know like they're they had like a, a fifth varsity like stuff like that which was completely unheard of for our team at that time yeah so one one thing about the culture just oh i didn't mean to cut you off i think no go ahead uh the the culture on on our team sounds like it had a similar kind of path as as your guys's where in the early years or not in the early years like in the past five years there's been a lot of change and i feel like in rowing team culture like like a few years ago you know we were really hard or the team was really hard on freshmen and yeah and like you know respect was speed based and and it was very much um yeah it was very much like that but definitely now i think it's a much better time to enter in collegiate rowing and maybe just collegiate sports in general and i wonder also like i wonder how much of that is just that everyone is fast now you know like i would never have gotten recruited even even two years after i did like my 2k would have been not even on the coach's radar you know like everyone just got way faster in like the couple of years after i started college so i mean if everyone's fast then like everyone's happy and you know then it just becomes about winning culture changes like that make a big difference and i wonder how now you are you did you complete your master's degree at uw yeah so i got a master's uh after the first two years of grad school and what's what lessons i mean people always talk about how you know rowing something that you're going to have for your life and and i'm sure you you have friends on the team that you know you're going to talk to forever but um like what it's hard to put it into words but i guess what lessons do you think you're taking away from the team into your work now as a as a research um fellow so um I think like one of the big things now that I'm away from rowing, what I notice kind of like has helped to set me apart a little bit is just like the aspect of rowing where it's just so, it's so team focused in that like you can't miss practice, you know, 
you mm-hmm. can't not do some workout you can't like there's just things where it's like um well i have to do it because i have to do it like because it ha- it has to get done therefore i'm going to do it you know whereas you kind of notice um you know especially running like a student team there's a lot of people who want to join and they do join and they start doing stuff and then um just kind of fall away very quickly because they're not as familiar with the concept of like well there's other people relying on this work getting done even if i don't want to do it this week it has to get done so i'm going to do it you know mm-hmm. um, that's something that i've, I've noticed kind of throughout like over grad school i've kind of learned is what i learned from is uh i guess just kind of doing doing things um not necessarily because it's what you want to do at the moment but i don't know that was kind of a rambly answer to that question but yeah it's a tough question um no but that was a great answer um totally because there's i mean you put yourself through so much adversity in rowing and and you're putting yourself like the erg isn't make isn't isn't making you erg and like the coaches there's pressure but they're not making you do anything it's very much um this sort of like self-motivation right and you know like there there would be guys on the team who every day would just be would just be complaining and Mm -hmm. uh just talking so much crap and just saying all these things and eventually you just say to them like you know no one's making you be here this is a voluntary thing you can quit the team anytime that you want you know like if you're if you're not willing to do the things that we're all doing, then just leave. Like we don't, you know, we don't need you yeah. unless you say you're going to be here, then we need you. But if you just left, then we could replace you. Like, uh, yeah, that's kind of like, I guess that's kind of the philosophy that I've taken into the CubeSat team. Okay. My last time interrupting, but I just got to let you guys know what the CubeSat team is all about. So, The CubeSat team develops miniature satellites and currently the university's government is super interested in this as well as private industry companies because spacecraft designs are trending towards compact, inexpensive and low power options. This team has been working on increasing the flight duration through a pulsed plasma thruster using a sulfur fuel cell and all these crazy things. It's crazy to think that a club on campus of just students can do this kind of thing. All right, back back into it. Yeah, that's kind of like I guess that's kind of the philosophy that I've taken into the CubeSat team, is and I tell I tell new members that I say, um, look, you can do as little work on this CubeSat as you want. Like the way that I look at it is that we have this pile of things that need to get done for us to send this thing to space, and if you say that you're going to take a specific chunk of that pile whether it's a huge chunk or a tiny chunk, as long as you do it, I'm happy. You know, you could do one hour of work a week. If you said you were going to do one hour, then I'm happy. You know, if you say you're going to compl- do this thing, that's like really a big re- responsibility. And then in week out, you're not doing it. That's bad. Then you're not being a, a, a team player, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the end of the day, you need you need to be a team player and, and be true to your word or else that's not a good team environment to be in if you know people are just wishy-washy yeah right right well i don't want to run the clock too much um but 
would it be all right if I do one more question? Yeah, of course. Cool. Um, okay, uh, you broke up a little. Actually, the connection's been fine. Like when you're talking, it's generally not breaking oh, up. Sorry. Awesome. Um, but okay, so so yeah, I quit out of a bunch of my other stuff. So okay, well, so let's see. Yeah, Varsity Crew, you were research society in Princeton, DJ Princeton. Yeah, you co-founded this um, team that works on CubeSat projects, right? Yeah. What? So what's the what's the story behind someone who has an idea for something they think that would be really neat, and obviously they have an educated background in it. <laughs> um, but what's the story behind someone who comes to a new totally new city, um, new campus, and then just starts a club like that. So it's, uh, it was weird. Like when I actually started grad school, I was working in this lab that was not even on campus. It was actually out in Redmond. And so I was taking the bus out there like several days a week. And, um, the work that I was doing really didn't feel tied to the school at all. And turns out that it kind of wasn't. So you know, I spent a year and a half doing that and felt like I was not really even part of UW. Hmm. Like it felt like that was just a place where I took classes, but I didn't know anyone in the department except the people in my lab. And I didn't really know any of the professors or any of the staff. Um, and then after like, yeah, after, after I guess the first five or six quarters, that kind of fell through. And so then I just started spending more time on campus and like getting to know other students and getting to know the administration. And, and I had gotten involved in actually another CubeSat team that's over in the um, ESS department. And so I was sort of working on that. And uh, I know that the ANA department, I guess at some point they had expressed to my friend Taylor that they wanted a CubeSat pro or like a space program in the ANA department. And so Taylor started kind of working on something with his advisor and uh, you know, I kind of caught wind of it and I wanted in, I was like, this is like my way to really get involved here mm -hmm. um, and to kind of do things the way that we want to do them and to work on spacecraft, which I really felt like I'd kind of lost. Like it was the reason I came to grad school. And then I went, ended up out in Redmond doing stuff that just felt very far removed. So mm -hmm. um so that's kind of how like it started from an interest perspective. Um, and then the actual process of starting it was like, we kind of got lucky because the faculty had this interest expressed already. They were like gung ho when, when we kind of responded and started actually writing proposals, they were like really enthusiastic. They sent it up to the college of engineering um, funding kind of came through in a couple months. And uh, so it kind of worked out like nicely that way yeah so once you had that passion and you were able to express it clearly to people who could get things done for you like to get the, to help you start the process that's pretty much the kickoff point right yeah i would say like i i don't you know i imagine that it's hard to just start something that no one cares about to yeah. begin with because then you have to convince everyone to care about it so that's how we got lucky is that the faculty cared about the thing that we wanted to do so mm -hmm. like I guess that's kind of what I was alluding to way earlier when I said, um, like taking opportunities that come to you, yeah. uh, you know, the opportunity that was there was working on this other cube set and for, you know, various reasons, it just wasn't really scratching the itch. And then mm -hmm. the opportunity that came to us 
was to start our own CubeSat team, which was what we really wanted to do. And what has ended up being really good for the department and good for us. And Yeah, like, uh, again, with the whole thing of making opportunities and, and it's kind of like, we're kind of like, it's kind of like we're all creators in a way because we need to create opportunities for ourselves. Like if any college student, any college is not like, even like we're talking about Ivy's and, and you're still saying that, you know, I had to find my own opportunities. Like nothing's, nothing's handed to you. Um, there was no CubeSat team at Princeton. There yeah. was no, there were really engineering clubs, you know, like mm -hmm. here students get to get involved in way more hands-on stuff. Like when I graduated, I didn't actually know anything about engineering. I just do a bunch of random theory classes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, and that was kind of part of why we wanted to start our own team in the department is so that students who had the same kind of like missing, like had that missing from their undergrad experience, you know, like I did, I want to have something that these undergrads now will have that opportunity. You know, it's like we have people in our department who come in and they, work on our they worked on our CubeSat for a year or two and now they're graduating and going off to jobs at SpaceX and Blue Origin and um, who knows if that's what they would have done if they didn't have the chance to work on a spacecraft in their yeah. studies you know another great conversation thanks for listening all the way through I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you share it with a friend I'm trying to grow this out um if you or anyone you know wants to be on the podcast, that's awesome. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram and have a great day.